Christmas Eve 1968, some of you that were alive and old enough to remember that night might even remember just that date alone what happened. But Christmas Eve 1968, there was a space mission, Apollo 8, that took off just a few days earlier on December 16th. And it was the second manned space mission from the United States, from NASA. This one was unique in that this was the first time that any human being had ever actually gone all the way around the dark side, if you will, of the moon. So this was the first time that that had happened. And what they did was as they rounded the dark side of the moon, the first human piloted vessel to do so, and they came back into view of the earth, they actually had a live transmission back uh, via radio and television to the world, which is a pretty awesome thing. The technology was brand new at the time, and everybody's like, wow, we're going to talk to guys in space, right? So these guys went around the moon, all the way around the dark side of the moon, and came back. The first human beings ever in the history of the world, in the history of humanity, to actually see the earth from space, if you will, from the darkness of space going all the way around the moon where all their communications were cut off, where they couldn't see anything because they're looking this way and the moon was blacking them out. And then they came around and they saw what was called the earth rise, right? So as they're coming around the moon, the earth starts to come into view. And these are the first men the first human beings that have ever seen that from that outside perspective. And if you know the story, if you're around, you may remember what happened. They came into view of the earth for the first time from space, and this is what they said. They, the radio crackles a little bit, and they said, attention, all of you, back on the earth, the crew of Apollo 8 has a message that we would like to send to you. This is like perfect chance to say anything you want, right? I would have said, I am the first dude to go around the moon. Boom. Worship me as soon as I get home. Thank you very much, right? Me and my boys here just took the biggest risk anybody ever has in the history of the world. Christopher Columbus has nothing on us. We just went around the moon, okay? He thought the moon was flat probably, all right, we just went around it. We are awesome. But here's what they said. They came around, the first men to see the earth really from that darkness of space. And they said, the crew of Apollo 8 has a message we would like to send to the world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's the first thing they said. And then they continued by reading Genesis chapter 1. You can look it up on the internet. It's fascinating to listen to. It's amazing to listen to. The first guys ever to go out into space and to come back and saw the earth went, oh, wow. Okay, in the beginning, God. And you've seen pictures of space. You've felt some of those things perhaps. Or if you see the expanse of the ocean, for example, that's miles and miles deep and you see video or photographs of that and you feel that, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. God is huge. Like God is massive. This is, this is unbelievable. Those guys could have said anything and they read. And from what I can tell historically, only one of them was a believer actively. Only one of them professed, hey man, I follow Jesus Christ. The rest of them were just guys, astronauts. And they said, uh, no, not anymore. No, not anymore. We're not just astronauts anymore. In the beginning, God and that's it. Now, that perspective is one that Moses has here in Exodus chapter 33, okay? And I want to just get to it quickly because it's a super long story, and it's not important that we get the whole story, but you remember that God is speaking with Moses, and he does so by Moses in Exodus 33 going to this tent that he set up. It says that Moses would go into this tabernacle, this tent, and Joshua would come with him, and Moses would talk to God, and God would enter in to that tabernacle in the form of a cloud, if you remember that story. The cloud would come and rest on the tabernacle. Moses would go in, and God would speak to him, give him direction. Moses would go out, and he'd speak to the people. 
Something cool about that story, by the way, when we talk about the glory of God, is that it says that Joshua, Moses' servant, would just stay in the tent. That's what it says in Exodus 33. He's like, yeah, you go do the work. I'm just right here. I'm not leaving until that cloud leaves, which is pretty cool. It's a whole nother story, all right? But Moses would then leave, and on one such conversation in Exodus 33, God tells Moses, listen, I am going with you. And Moses goes, good, because if you don't go with us to this land of promise, if you don't go up with us, we're not going. That's the entire deal is your presence with us. And God said, listen, I know your name, you, Moses, and Jacob, Israel. I know you guys. I'm with you. I'm for you. And Moses goes, well, the only way that we're going to know that is if you go with us. Because if you tell us to go and you're not there, we're toast. You're the only thing we have. You're the reason we're going to the promised land. And God, again, says, listen, I'm with you. I promise I'll go with you. And then this is what Moses says. It's in Exodus 33, all the way down in verse 17. Again, the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing that you have asked, which is go with you. For you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And then look at verse 18. And Moses said to him, I beg you, show me your glory. (laughs) You're going with us. You promised that. Listen, I'm having this conversation with you. You say I know you by name. Would you please show me your what? Your glory. The same thing that those astronauts felt, the glory of God coming around the outside of the moon, looking at the earth, just going, whoa, 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 whoa. God is huge. And Moses is talking with God. He's hearing his voice, and there's this cloud there. And Moses, in the midst of that, God keeps giving him directions. He's giving him all this stuff, and Moses is not interested in any of it, ultimately. He just says, show me your glory. Like we've been talking, we've got this thing going. I I believe you, I trust you. I know you promised you're gonna go with us. I know you're gonna do all this cool stuff. Really, none of that matters at all. (laughs) Essentially, Moses is saying in in Exodus 33, I have to see you. I have gotta see your glory. That is what I have to see. I have got to know it. I've gotta know your glory. Now, all of us have that built in. We all have that built in as humans, and it's not just you and me here on a Wednesday night for a Bible study. If we were to ask everybody in the world, we we would be the type of people that we would guess want to see God's glory, because here you are, after all, on a Wednesday night. I'm sure there's something on TV that's interesting that you're missing. I don't know. But we're here for that purpose, right? We have that drive. But the thing is, is sometimes we don't even realize why. And we also don't realize that every human being has it. And this is what's really cool. And I just want to talk to you a little bit about it tonight and where it goes practically. But in Genesis chapter 1, if you remember, verse 26, Genesis 1, 26, God says there, he says, let us make man, let us, Genesis 1, 26, make man in our image, You and I, we know, are made in the image of God, right? He says, let's make man in our image. Let's do this. Let's make man in our image. Who's us? Speaking in Genesis chapter one. It's obvious to many of us, perhaps, but it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Not three gods, but one God and three persons. Let's make man and women Let's make mankind in our image. Let's make them like us. Let's make men and women just like we are. All right? Now, there's a lot of ways that we're like God. You're like, uh, which, which one exactly? I'm, I'm looking for that still. Well, here's one. Is that God is, and this is crazy important, I think. God is a glorifier. What do you mean? God is a worshiper. Did you know that? You're like, how's that possible? Matt, are you telling us that God is worshiping someone? Because we're getting heavily back in here right now, and this is over. No, this is pretty amazing. 
He says, let us make man in our image. And if you look at who the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are, it's really unbelievable the way that they work together. It's amazing to me. Because the Father is the only one who can draw men to himself, right? That's what he says. That's what Jesus says of the Father. No one can come unless to me, Jesus said, unless the Father draw him. Now, we know that the Father then sends the Holy Spirit and that by the Spirit of God, Jesus Christ is revealed, right? Jesus said in John 14 through 16, numerous times, he said, the Holy Spirit is not here for himself. The Holy Spirit will speak of who? Jesus. That's what he said. The Holy Spirit will speak of me, Jesus said. God sends the Spirit for one reason, to speak of and reveal the person, Jesus Christ. Okay, wow, cool. And then Jesus said, and actually, I'm not here for me either. I haven't come to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And all I'm doing is saying what my father says. And all I exist to do, he tells us in John, is to glorify who? The father. God sends the Holy Spirit to bring you and I to Jesus so that Jesus can glorify the father so that you and I can have a relationship with the father. God sends the spirit to Jesus, to the Father. Every single thing that God does brings attention and glory to who? Himself. <laughs> He's the only one that can do it. With everyone else, it's arrogance. With God, it's called righteousness. It's called perfection. God is actually a glorifier of himself. That's what he does if you read in Romans. Nature itself, right, declares what? The glory of God. Everything that he makes points to, including a trip around the moon, when you turn and look at the earth for the first time from space, you go, God, God. Everything he does glorifies himself. And you and I were made in his image to glorify him. But we've stumbled, we've fallen, we've sinned, so now we just glorify what? Anything. <laughs> I'll glorify myself if you give me a shot. I'll glorify some athlete, some musician, some actor, a dollar amount. Uh, it, I can go real low with it. I can give glory to just about anything, right? And so can you. I can glorify a big enough fish if I'm a fisherman. I can glorify, I mean, you name it, right? I can, me personally, it's really dicey and I shouldn't share this, but it's true. I can really glorify motorcycles very quickly very easily. All right. Just, I mean, just like that at the drop of a hat, I can be like, that is the coolest thing that's ever been created right there. All right. And it's ridiculous because I'm trying to bring glory to something. That is my very nature. Does that make sense to you? It's amazing. That's how we're built is to glorify something. Now here's, what's crazy about this story with Moses in Exodus 33. He says, please show me your glory. I have to see you. I got to know you. And God says, you can't see me and live. It, my glory's too big. And you may remember the story. Moses says, I've got to see you. Please show me your glory. And God agrees with him. And this is what he says. Finally, he tells him that here's what's going to happen. I want you to wait here upon this mountain, where, by the way, none of the other children of Israel would dare go. When God was speaking with Moses, the people, if you remember the story, said, you go talk to God. The mountain is literally on fire up on top of the mountain, and there's thunder and lightning. And Moses is like, yeah, this God's been talking to us. We're going to follow him now, right? And all the people are like, that's awesome, man. We're so into it. Um, you just go up there. I don't want to, I'm freaked out. I don't want to go up there. Moses starts talking with God and he's like, I have to see you. That is like, I, I don't care about anything else. I need to see your glory. And God says, you can't do it, but here's what I'll do. And you might remember the story in Exodus 33. He says, here's what I'll do. I want, I'm going to set you. I want you on this rock. And here's what's going to happen. I'm going to put this cleft the Bible calls it. I'm going to put a hole, a crack in this rock. And then Moses, you're going to shove yourself into this hole, in this giant rock, as far in as you can get. 
all right? Face first, you're going to get in this rock. And then what's going to happen is I'm going to pass by. God himself is going to pass by. And I'm going to, as I pass by, just put my hand right over the crack in that rock. So for the first part of this situation, all Moses sees is this, right? Just the inside, if you will, and it doesn't give us an explanation of how this works, but of God's hand, flat against this crack. And Moses is in there, and all he sees is the hand. And then God says, what's going to happen is, after I pass by with my super long arm, all right, I'm just going to go, and I'm going to take my hand off, and you're just going to barely see my back. That's what happened. And it says that after that happened, Moses beheld just his backside, and it said that he fell down flat and just worshiped. And you may know the rest of the story. He then returned. And when he came into the camp of Israel, after 40 days and 40 nights of being up on the mountain, he came to the camp of Israel. And what was happening? You know, you remember his face was what? Just exploding with glory. And all he saw was just a little sliver. God's like, nope, 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 nope. And he's just, oh, I almost saw him. He comes down 40 days later and he's just glowing, right? That's what you and I are after. I know you're here. You're like, wow, that's not news to me. That's why I'm here. But that's what we're after. That's what we look for in our marriages. That's what we're looking for in our jobs. That's what we're looking for in everything we're up to. You know, you're like, yeah, I just, I'm a runner. I want to run. That's what you're looking for while you're running. That's what you're looking for if you're a student, if you're a mom, if you're a dad, if you're a brother, sister, aunt, uncle, in all of those things, what we're seeking out that we put all this effort into is really the glory of God. We, we got to be with him. We need to glorify him. Otherwise, we'll glorify anything and everything else. Now, that is cool. But the problem is, is that in Moses's case, his face glowed, but then eventually it began to wear off. We read in the book of 2 Corinthians, and you can check this out sometime if you'd like. 2 Corinthians, I'm not going to read it for the sake of time. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11, 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 11, the Bible says that Moses' face was shining like that. And it was insane how much of God's glory was just bouncing back, mirrored off Moses. And then the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, it says, but what's crazy about that is that was when God was revealing what to Moses? Does anybody know? God was revealing his back and he was revealing the law. The law. He said, all right, Moses, you want to know me? Here's a quick shot of my back. Whoa. And also... Here's the law. Here's hundreds and hundreds of things that you have to do if you want to know me and you can't do any of them. You can't even do the big 10, right? There's hundreds of them. Here's 10, by the way, that are so obvious and so easy. We'll just put them on a couple of really big rocks because these ones are just the basics, right? Don't kill people. Don't lie. You know, don't bear false witness. And humanity's like, oh, those are the, those are the easy ones? Those are, the, those are the, the big ones. I don't even want to know the little ones. I don't want to dig through Leviticus and deeply and go, ah. And when that was revealed, it says in 2 Corinthians that Moses, just on that, his face glowed. On that part of God's revelation and ministry to Moses, his face glowed. And then it says in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, how much more then is God's glory revealed through the grace of Jesus Christ. That came by death. The law is death. God said, here's what you have to do. And if you can't do these things, you die. And just that news made Moses glow, 2 Corinthians says. And Paul goes, but what about the news then that Jesus Christ came and paid the penalty for that death? And now you have life in him. How much more now is that glory revealed? That's incredible to me. That's amazing to me. I love that news. That's the best ever because I have to have the glory of God. I I do because I'm looking for it everywhere, just like you are. 
and I get fouled up just like you do. I'm looking for the glory of God. And sometimes I go, well, the glory of God is me working with kindergarten and first graders every single week, a couple times a week, just loving on them, sharing with them, being in there with them. That's where the glory of God is. No, it's not. It's not. That's just my best efforts. And I'm, you know, I mean, I, I'm the one that got the job, but I'm probably not even very good at it. I mean, that's, that's it. I get trapped into that. You do. Oh man, if I'm a good husband, that's where I'll find that. Well, I'm not a good husband. If I'm a great employee or if I'm a faithful friend, but I can't be always, that's what Moses was looking at, the law. But Paul says in 2 Corinthians, that glory was revealed through the law. Can you even imagine the glory that's revealed through the life and the freedom and the forgiveness found in Jesus Christ. That is an amazing thing. I'm looking for that. You're looking for that. And here's what the Bible says. I'm going to read this. 1 John chapter 2. Moses, again, was looking into the law. God said, you want to see me? Here's my backside. And by the way, here's the law. 40 days and 40 nights of hearing rules and regulations for righteousness that God knew man would never reach. We know that from the book of Galatians, but he spelled it out perfectly so that we could realize I can't do that. But he revealed it to Moses and Moses just from that is shining. Paul says, how much more through Jesus Christ? He says in 1 John chapter two, verse one, it says, little children, John says, these things I'm writing to you, me and you, that you do not sin. But if any man sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is, the big Bible word here, he is the propitiation for our sin. And not for our sin only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus Christ is the, not the covering. Remember when Moses was in the rock? And God came by and he covered him with his hand. I'm too, I've got too much glory. You're a sinner. I have to cover you. Jesus Christ is not just the covering for our sin. Hebrew says that covering of the animals and the sacrifices, it wasn't enough. Jesus Christ is actually the propitiation or literally the payment for our sins. So they no longer exist. So now it's not God saying, I'm going to cover your sin. And Moses, you can just barely glimpse me. It's Jesus Christ saying, I'm paying for your sin. And here I am in fullness, in fullness. I'm right here, but it's only in Jesus. That's the only place it is. There's nothing else that can cover your sin. Everything else you try to do, or I try to do to gain that feeling that God's with me to gain God's approval, to gain that glory of God. If I'm trying to do anything else other than the blood of Jesus Christ cleansing me, it's just like God holding up his hand over that rock. I'm just trying to cover it. But here it says Jesus actually paid for it, which is so cool. Now it takes another step further because it says there in that second verse I just read to you, it's not for my sin only, and it's not just for your sin. It's for the sins of the what? The whole world. It's for everyone. So this is where I stop in my own life. And maybe you do too. I go, God is huge. The astronauts think he's huge. All right. I mean, if the astronauts think he's huge, he's huge, right? Because they've seen some pretty cool stuff. God's huge. I know he's huge. Moses craves him. I crave him. King David craved him. Everybody craves him. And we're all trying to figure it out. Jesus is the payment so that we can all be with him. But it's not just for me and you. It's for the whole world. It's for the Jews. It's for Moses and everybody else in between. And wow, that is big. That's big. Uh, too big for me. Right here in Grants Pass, Oregon. It's just too big for me. So... I think what I'll do is just kind of, I'm going to leave it big. I'm going to leave it for the smart people like Heverly. <laughs> and uh, and uh, 
it's just too big. So I'm just going to kind of try to still be satisfied, find God's glory in just being a good employee or a good husband or not cheating on my taxes. Like I'm, it, that's too big. But this is where the story of Jesus gets awesome is that it is for the whole world, but he is calling you and me to reveal his glory to. And he's calling us right this second. He's calling us to reveal that same glory through his son, Jesus, to you and me. Many years ago, um, my wife and I worked with Campus Crusade for Christ when we were first married and down in Southern California. And I was able to put on, I don't know how we pulled it off. I was dumb enough to not know any better. And so we tried to just pull off this huge tent crusade uh, in our city in Temecula down there in Southern California. We're like, hey, there's a big lot. We're going to put a tent up and we're going to invite people and we're going to tell them about Jesus. Uh, And basically it worked. We had some legal issues along the way, but basically it worked. And so as we did this event, um, thousands of people kept showing up. And on the last night, we had convinced kind of the big Southern California speaker. He said he'd do it for free. Chuck Smith, who was the Calvary Chapel pastor down there. We convinced him and the really cool bands, like the really cool youth bands, which is hilarious. Now that I consider who those bands are, I'm like, yeah, half of those guys, they're not cool anymore for sure. And most of them are dead. But um, anyway, so it was a while ago. But on the last night of this event, as Chuck Smith was sharing and giving a call for those who wanted that glory of God through Jesus Christ, for those who wanted to come forward, it was like a lot of those type of events where people actually came forward to the stage. And it was in a really large tent that sat maybe close to 2,000 people, okay, a very huge, expansive, like, circus tent. And there was a stage much like this, and everybody would come up to the front And I had, through these various churches, counselors down front, men and women, and they would gather, if they were women, they'd gather three or four women, and they'd take them off to the side, and we had these other tents, and uh, we made them sign all these contracts. No, just kidding. And they would introduce them to Jesus, right? And they would just talk with them in smaller groups. So as so many people came forward, um, as Chuck was sharing, um, that they were all gone, And I was kind of side stage watching, making sure it was all covered because I didn't have any idea what I was doing. And so finally, one more guy stands up. Just as Chuck's kind of wrapping up, is there anybody else, you know, and doing that whole thing? I believe there's one more. And you're always like, does the guy really believe there's one more or is he just taking a risk? Anyway, I don't know. But he said, there's one more. There's a few more of you. And this guy stands up and he began weaving his way to the front. And by weaving his way, I mean literally. He stood up and I I was like, oh, I better talk to that guy because there's nobody left. So I jumped down and I ran to the center. And this guy came down the center aisle, probably three or four times as long as this aisle we have here. And he was like this. Just walking up. I'm like, okay, come on this way, right up here. Come on up. And I'm looking around, you know, is there any security? What do we got here? And this guy comes all the way up and he stopped right in front of me. Chuck had done a a service, a speech on, if you will, preached about the glory of God. And specifically, and you've heard things like this, the, the size of the heavens, the massive size of the sun and all the rest of the stars and all of these giant things that just show the majesty and the glory of God. And he was saying, that glory is available to you tonight. That's, that was the whole thrust of it. And this kid, about 16 years old, just starts walking up. And he is stopped in front of me, stands right in front of me. And I stopped and I kind of grabbed him by the shoulders. I'm looking at him. And he looks at me and he is absolutely baked, stoned, drugged out of his mind. Don't know on what. I probably would at the time remember. I don't remember now, but he was gone. His eyes were thick, bloodshot, red. His speech was really slow, quite funny, actually, and really slurred. And I looked at him and I said, hey, uh, what's your name? Mark. Mark. I said, cool. I said, what are you doing? What are you up here for? He goes, well, the guy, the guy on the thing called my name. He said, stand up, Mark, and walk up there. So I came up here. I said, what? What? 
He said, yeah, the, the guy talking said, Mark, 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 stand up and walk up to the front. And so I did. Uh, what, am I, what am I supposed to do? Why did he ask me to come up here? This is what this kid's saying to me. And I'm like, that guy said that? He goes, yeah, you know, the, the guy on the speaker's talking. He said, Mark, Mark. And then I got up and I got halfway up and I was like, I don't want to go up there. And I turned around. He said, Mark, walk to the front. Keep going. So I was embarrassed, so I just did. <laughs> I'm like, that guy didn't say that. I didn't tell him that. And I'm like, holy cow. I said, Mark, yeah? He's like half asleep, half in and out. I said, God just called you to the stage. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? I told him, I just shared with him. I took him to the side because it was a little embarrassing <laughs> and people were kind of starting to listen to us instead of Chuck, you know. So we went off to the side and I shared with him just really quickly what Jesus meant. I had to recap everything Chuck had said because I'm like, I don't think he listened to any of it. Um, he was probably shooting up while he was sitting there. I don't know. And he looked at me and I said, do you want that? Do you want Jesus Christ inside of you? Do you want him to live in you and have that glory of God inside of you? He goes, okay, all right. So I said, okay, let's pray. So I did the basic thing and I prayed and he followed me in prayer and ultra simple, I mean, way simple. And I felt like it was maybe heartfelt, but I couldn't tell if he was falling asleep or if his eyes were closed and I'm kind of leaning on him and he's kind of leaning on me and he's like, his head's bobbing and weaving. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I mean, I felt like so fake all of a sudden. I'm like, what am I like just putting on a show here? I mean, this guy is just gone. There's, no, there's nothing happening here. And I'm trying to save face, right? Because this is my event. Sure enough, though, we finish and I say, amen. He looks up, looks at me and he goes, whoa. And his eyes were perfectly clear. Speech, just perfectly clear, articulate. And I went, <laughs> whoa. All of a sudden, I believe now, I believe. <laughs> I'm in. I want that glory of God. And he said, he looks at me and he goes, uh, he goes, wow, I feel really great. And I'm like, you look great. You look different. You look great. You still smell bad, but you look great. And he goes, this is what he says to me, a couple things that I thought were funny. He said, do you think it worked? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, is he in me? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it worked. Uh, like 30 seconds ago, you couldn't stand up. Now you're just a bright-eyed, like vibrant guy all of a sudden. I mean, unbelievable. And then he looked at me and he goes, do you want to go to an air show tomorrow? And it got weird after that. So um, I walked with the kid. His name was Mark Johnson. I walked with him for the next couple of years. He followed Jesus. It was amazing, an amazing, amazing thing. Point being, the glory of God is so much bigger than you and I can even comprehend but he's calling us. <laughs> I mean, just like at that event, he's like, Mark, hey, Mark, Mark, walk up here. Okay, no, I don't want it. Mark, I'm calling you. Come on up here. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit's doing to you and me. And it doesn't matter if we're already a believer. <laughs> that's what he's calling us to right now because the only way that we can reach that glory of God the Father is through Jesus Christ, the Son. That's it. Now you might think, well, Matt, I know that. Thank you very much. You just wasted 37 minutes of my life. Uh, we already know that. That's why we're here. But the problem is, I know you know it and I know it, but that's not what I'm doing all the time. That's not what I do. I know that. Therefore, I'm going to find God's glory in the things I do. I know that. Therefore, I'm going to find God's glory by performing, or I'm going to find God's glory by making sure that all of you guys think that I look pretty good in what I'm doing. I'm going to find God's glory somewhere else, but the only way that we can, other than God just covering our sin, revealing it through nature, revealing it through, you know, a child, through things that where you and I can see, oh, wow, that's really great. That made me feel good for a second. The only way that we can press past that and get to the very glory 
unfiltered of God the Father is through the Son, Jesus. That means tonight. That means tomorrow morning. That means tomorrow mid-morning and tomorrow at noon that the way that we come to him is, Father, I, I believe in your Son. I need my sins forgiven. I'm gonna just talk to you, Jesus. I'm going to glorify you as the Lord of everything. And in the midst of that, I'll see the Father glorified. You remember when Jesus was meeting with his disciples and he said to them before he was arrested and crucified, they're in that upper room. Philip said to him there at the end of that conversation, which is a difficult conversation. It had Judas betraying him. It had him telling Peter, hey, you're gonna deny that you even know me. And he's like, no, I'll die for you. All of that stuff. Philip in the midst of that says, would you just show us the father? Show us the father. Same question that Moses has. Please show us the father. That's what we're after. That's why we're here. I mean, we're Jews for crying out loud. That is what we live for. Show us the father. You remember what Jesus said? It's an incredible passage there in John 14. He answers him as if, Really, it's the words of the Father. He says, Philip, have I been with you so long and you don't know me? If you've seen me, Jesus said, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. I don't wanna be, I don't wanna be Philip. I wanna be a disciple. I wanna be one of those guys that somehow's in the upper room. I want to see the glory of God the Father, but I don't wanna just be messing around, doing the work, getting the Passover meal ready, doing all the stuff, and then going, hey, could somebody just reveal God's glory to me? And Jesus is like, oh, I'm right here. Dive on in, I'm right here. Man, you want glory? You wanna see God glorified? Matt, hang out with me. Talk to me right now. Praise me, extol me, honor me. Lay your burdens upon me. Jesus himself constantly, day throughout the day, day by day, and you will see the glory of God the Father. Now, for me and for you, there's a lot of stuff that leads us in other paths. And I guess that's what I want to close with is what is leading you? And, and I hope it's encouraging to think through it. What's leading me? How is God's glory being revealed in my life? Who is the director of that? I hope in your life and in mine, it's only the person, Jesus Christ. It can't be me to you. It can't be you to me. You can't lead me to God, to the glory of God. It can't be Pastor Matt Heverly. It can't be your neighbor. It can't be your spouse. It has to be Jesus himself. Now I can lead you to Christ. You can lead me to Christ. I can lead you into the kids' wing to help us out. Hey, we need a bunch more volunteers, but is that gonna bring you to the glory of God? No, but I'm still gonna try and do that anyway. But still, it's, it's, it's not gonna lead you there. It just isn't gonna work. I can have great authors and read books. I can, I can listen to podcasts of amazing you know, speakers and preachers, and, and I can have all these things that, that feel encouraging. And I'm like, oh yeah, that was neat. I kind of got the hogwash. It's just this. It's just a, a covering. It's something for a moment. Apart from the person of Jesus, we can't experience, we cannot be led to the glory of God. Now, I believe that most of you in this room know that. And maybe most of us in this room walk that way. But if you're like me, I do sometimes. And sometimes I just get way spun out thinking, wow, this is great, wow. And then I think, why don't I feel like those astronauts right now? Why don't I sense that? Uh, God, could you just show me your glory somehow? Because I'm hanging out with all these people and you know, I'm not seeing it. No, I, I can't find it. And I realize, wait a minute, it's, it's Jesus Christ. He is not just a covering like Moses had. It won't fade away if I come to the person of Jesus. Who is leading you to the glory of God the Father? A couple years ago, actually it's many years ago now, I don't know, 10 years ago, um, I got an invite by a friend of mine who lived in Hawaii, um, called me up on the phone, 
He was in Hawaii and he was in charge of a Bible college there in Maui. And he calls him and says, hey, Matt, we have to have a spring break retreat for our kids in Maui. Do you want to come teach? I said, yes. He's like, do you want to pray about it? I was like, no, <laughs> no, I'm coming. I'll be there. So uh, whenever I've traveled like that through many, many years, and at the time I was up north at this church, Athey Creek, I would always take somebody with me. We'd travel in twos. So I grabbed my friend whose name is Luke Yon, um, who's actually a pastor up in Eugene now. I grabbed Luke Yon and we went. Now, Luke Yon was a good friend of mine, and Luke Yon was, kind of had an opposite upbringing of me. I grew up here, and I grew up basically just, you know, cutting hay and jumping off bridges and, you know, rope swings and swimming in the river. That's all I did. All right. Luke Yon grew up in the city. He grew up in Gresham and he grew up playing the guitar and doing all these things like that I learned from him. And then he would learn these other things from me. And on all of our adventures through the years, if there was a something adventurous to be done, I would have to do it first and then he would follow. Right. So in Hawaii, while we were there, we went to this place called Hana and in between the city and Hana, there was this place called Wainapanapa in Hawaii. And it's a remarkable place. And I, I mean, for me, this is just like top of the heap. You can't get any more fun than this. Basically, it's a bunch of underwater caves. So there's a big opening, maybe about the size of the stage area. And you come, it comes down in, you jump down into the earth, essentially, into water. It's right by the ocean. You jump into this dark cave and you get these waterproof spotlights on your head. And when you dive down deeper underwater, you look around and you can see pools where there's air pockets and you can swim under solid rock and then pop up in an air pocket, right? Who's in? Anybody? Okay. I thought so. All right. You've probably, have you been there? No. Okay. I thought you might have. Terry, you been there? No. Okay. So anyway, this place is amazing right? You can swim out. Some of the pockets that you come into are a cave the size of this room. And some of them are only about six inches of air, maybe five feet across or something. You just come right up and you're like, this one's not big enough. And you go back down, right? And then you look for more of them. Well, we were, I was on this trip. Lukion, my friend, still was following me through these adventures, but he's like, I don't know. I'm a little nervous about it. I'm like, listen, this is going to be great. So my friend John, it was his name, John Stockton, had been there hundreds of times. And he was showing me where to go, and Lukion was following me. So we would take this path all the way through, and we would end up at this cave near the end. And what happened was, when we got to this cave, at the end... John turned to me and Luke Yon the first time. He said, okay, listen, from here on out, it's a little tricky. And when you hear that, you're like, uh, because it's been a little tricky so far, right? So you're in your chest the whole time. It's just tight. You know, you're like, what if there's only rock and no air? Okay, how are we going to deal with that? So we get to this last one. He goes, but right at this cave, which, was, which is maybe 10 feet tall, maybe 20 feet long out of the water. If you look up there, you can climb out the side and there's a cleft literally, there's a rock that you can climb through and you can see a little bit of light and you can get out that way and then just run around on the trail or you can swim out. And here's how you swim out. You have to dive down and go into one more little cave and it's tiny. And by tiny, I mean, there's about this much air. So you stick up your nose and your mouth, you get a bunch of air, you dive down and then you just go straight down. And it's about a 15 foot descent all along this uh, sandy bottom, all the way down. You're swimming down a water and there's cave all around you. When you get to the bottom, there's a clump of weeds. And the clump of weeds, John said, I want you to follow me. When you get to the bottom, we'll grab that clump of weeds. He said, and then we're going to look up and we're going to look up not to 12 o'clock, but to one o'clock. And we're going to swim that direction. And when you do, after you swim for a while, don't give up hope because you're going to see light. And then you'll just pop right up. So I followed John. Luke Yon's like, I'm out of here. I'm from Gresham. I'm going this way. He went that way a couple times. I came down and I followed John and we went all the way through. And I went out this way, or Luke Yon went out that way and I went all the way through. And I did it multiple times. We came all the way through the caves. It took 20, 30 minutes each time. We got to the bottom. Luke Yon went that way and I swam it multiple times. And I was like, this is amazing. And it was a pretty long swim, but it's doable. All right. So the last time through, I took Luke Yon through the whole thing by myself. 
because John was off doing something else. I'm like, hey, I've already done this like 10 times, right? I got this. So Luke Yon follows me through. We get to the end of the cave. I'm like, listen, Luke, we're never coming back to Maui again. At least I'm not, <laughs> all right? I doubt, all right? The teaching hasn't been all that great for the students, so I'm probably not coming back. So this is it, man. You gotta follow me. I have I ever let you down? No, all right, I'm not gonna let you down this time. All right, I'll do it. So we go to the next one. We pop up in there. We breathe. I tell him the whole thing. You go down at this angle, a clump of grass, you can't miss it. You grab onto it. You actually grab it, look up, start heading off. And I'm like, it's not very far at all. It's not far at all. I described the whole thing to him. So I said, you ready? Yep. Take a deep breath. We dive down. About halfway down to the weed at the bottom, I realized, wow, this water's sure been stirred up a lot by all our trips and all the dirt and silt and everything is really hitting my mask a lot. And where is that weed exactly? And I'm down there and it's murky and I hit the sand and I can't find the weed. And then my buddy Luke Yon bumps into my back and I feel this. And I turn around, I see his light and I'm holding my breath. By now it's about 20 seconds probably. And I'm on the bottom and I'm like, okay, um, Uh, and I can't find the weed. So I'm like, well, who needs the weed? I'm just going to swim at the same angle, right? So I look up, bam, solid rock. Solid rock, solid, just rock everywhere. Treading water, swimming, pushing up and down. I'm on sand, I'm feeling rock. My buddy Lukeon is banging into me the whole time. I kind of catch a little glimpse of him in his mask and it's like this. Like, (laughs) are you kidding me? This This wasn't what you were describing, right? So I'm, I'm like, and I'm literally had the thought, I got far enough into it that I had the thought that, okay, yep, man, I have peace. <laughs> like, I know God, I have peace, but man, what a bummer. I mean, I literally thought that. I thought my wife is going to have to like get my body back to the States. It's buried in a cave underwater. Like, this is horrible. I had all of those thoughts. Just, oh no, and I'm, and Lukeon is all over me. And I got to that point where, if you've ever been there in water, where I'm like, I'm done. Like I, my body's like, yep, you're gonna take, you gotta breathe in, you gotta breathe in. There's no, you have no choices anymore. So I'm pushing solid rock, solid rock, solid rock. He's pushing all against me. I'm just pushing, pushing. By the way, we, I made it. Okay, so <laughs> some of you guys look a little nervous. Okay, so um, just... So finally, as I'm feeling, I just feel water and I just start swimming and I feel water and Luke, Luke, what I call him, his full name's Luke Jan. He's, I can feel him swimming right after my feet and we just tear, I'm, and finally I see the spot. I come out, I take this big breath. I turn around, I'm laying backwards on this rock. I take this big breath and, and I had told him, man, it's not very far. It's not very far. Like, you can totally make it. It's not very far. When he comes up out of the water, he did that thing where he both breathed in and also shouted at the same time. So I'm laying there, like, just going, am I alive? Like, this is amazing. I think we're alive. And I don't know if Lukeon's alive yet, but we'll see. He comes up out of the water, just breaks the crest of the water, and breathing in and out, he goes, I thought you said it wasn't that far. Like that, just shouting at me, right? So we made it. He's alive. I'm not sure he's been right ever since then, but he's, it's all good. But here's the thing. Who are you following? To the light, to the glory of God. Who are you following? If you follow me, you're in serious trouble. (laughs) If you follow anyone, you're in trouble. You're in serious trouble. No, 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 I got this. I have an understanding of this. Or, hey, we go down to this weed. We go here. We go that way. Listen, I've done this a hundred times. Guess what? It gets murky really quick, doesn't it? It just does. Oh, no, no, here's where you're going to get satisfaction. I'm going to tell you, this is how you're going to be a good husband. This is how you're going to be a good good wife, which may be great and awesome and helpful, but it's not going to lead you to the glory of God. It's too murky. Jesus is it for us. He's, he's, he's all of it. He's the only hope that we have when we leave here tonight and when we wake up in the morning. Now, I know that that's simplistic. And I know that we're blessed to be in a body that really studies the word. 
And I'm blessed to be part of that body and to dig into it with Pastor Matt. But tonight, I just want to be a herald to remind you that you and I are seeking for the glory of God. That's what we're looking for. That is all that we're craving. And that is everything that I'm missing when I'm missing anything. And that's what you're missing. And it can only happen through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus, I need you. I, I need you this second. I feel away. I feel I'm missing something. I'm hollow. I'm empty. I'm craving this or that. So Jesus, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just talk to you. And I'm just going to continue to talk to you. I'm going to glorify you. I'm going to exalt you. And that's where I'm going to meet the Lord. That's the only way that it's going to happen. Amen? Amen. So I took way, way too long, told way too many stories. So I'm going to grab my guitar here in a second and we'll sing a song or two to the Lord to glorify him, to give him praise. But I pray that as we close, that you and, and I will maybe consider who we're following. I've had an opportunity to do that today as I've thought about this. What am I, what am I looking to to satisfy uh, is it the law? Is it what Moses had? How's that work? And I pray that you might do the same maybe in this, the next few minutes. And just if all it does is nudge you and I back to Jesus, not that we've denied him, not that we've strayed, but that we would just go, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I'm gonna talk to Jesus right now. I'm gonna tell him how awesome he is. And that's where God's glory will be revealed. Then that'll be enough for us tonight. So Father, I wanna thank you, Lord, for giving us this opportunity for giving us a chance to speak to you, a chance to hear from you, a chance to glorify you. I thank you for your word and the truth that's in it. And I just ask you, Lord, for you to show us your glory through your son, Jesus. Even in these, these next few minutes, that you would just magnify yourself, Lord, show yourself strong here in this place. We certainly love you and we certainly believe you. And Jesus, we certainly trust that you're the one that we need tonight. Lord, I pray that whatever may be happening in the lives of these men and these women, whatever we may be led to, whatever we may be following, whoever we may be looking to, to fulfill would just grow dim, Lord Jesus, in the sight of you. So be magnified, we pray, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.